This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Great to have you with us on today's show. A whole range of topics from some brilliant experts, including the topic of blended families, remarriage, how Does it work? We were speaking to not one, but two experts on the topic. We had Dr. Lewis from the Pet Pavilion answering all your pet questions and hearing your pet peeves. A new campaign addressing childhood cancer awareness is looking for some talented volunteers. Could you be lending your writing, your reading, your musical skills? And we find out how the H Hotel is now certified autism friendly. Families come in so many different shapes and sizes. Some people are blessed enough to very straightforward, simple, loving home life. For others, it's loving, but more complicated. And some, sadly, can get into toxic situations. Now, despite the complexity of many situations, what matters most is that family members strive to love and accept each other. Case in point, blended families, step families who care for each other, whether they are biologically related or not. But it's not always as straightforward as we'd like to think. We're talking remarriage and blended families on the show this afternoon. We've got two experts sitting in the hot seat today. Dr. Salah Afridi is uh, the clinical psychologist, the founder and managing director at Late House Arabia. She's been here for more than 20 years. Uh, she's, uh, she's been working in private practice for years and is really on a mission to be creating that positive impact around mental health of individuals and families living in the region. And Shereen Mustafa is with us today. She's the head of AV production at Leah Burnett. She leads on regional campaigns, including a recent film for Home Centre, which looks at exactly this topic, remarriage and blended families. And she's got some personal experience of that, which she'll be sharing over the course of the hour. As I said, if you want to get in touch, we're here to help. We're here to hear your story as well. Thank you both for being with us today. It's actually a topic we haven't discussed on the show that much, which when I think about it is bizarre to me because we've, I know so many families, whether it's single parent families, um, divorced, coming together, blended, it's, it's, it's complex and it's really important to be thinking about all the forms that families take. And before we get to talking about remarriage and bringing families together, Doctor, I wondered if we could even start before that about how to talk to children about divorce. Now, about a month ago, we had a family lawyer on the show and the text lines went bananas because apparently the first Monday of September is the biggest day for divorce in the world. I don't know. Oh, I think it might be after a summer. <laughs> I think it might be like, oh, crikey, that was maybe that'll be the last holiday we spend together. Um and it made me realise just how many families are struggling with, yes, the legal and the practicalities, but also the emotional side. So I wondered if you could perhaps offer up some key takeaways today for families who are thinking about having that conversation or are struggling to find the right words. So thank you for having me. Thank you Very for talking welcome. about this really important topic. So many people, just given that, you know, we have a divorce rate that is quite high, we don't even know the accurate statistics Mm. at this point, that this is a conversation that we do need to be having more. I think the most important thing that I would say to parents, maybe there's a few things that I would say as they're thinking about having that conversation about divorce, have it be an age-appropriate conversation. So if the child is very young, 
then stick to their language. But it is something you do have to plan ahead for. This is not like, okay, well, we decided and now we're going to tell them. There's a lot that you need to plan. You need to think about what's going to stay the same, what's going to change, where are they going to live, what can they expect? Because children's worlds are about to fall apart as they know it. Their world and their life as they knew it is falling apart, coming to an end. And they don't have the cognition and the abilities that we do to understand that this is not the end of your life. It's just the end of a marriage. And so we have to be very prepared to have a conversation with them. So planning ahead, thinking about what's going to change, what's not going to change, who are they going to live with, what are going to be the arrangements, some of that stuff is going to have to be. You don't have to have it all sussed out, but it's going to be important that you do mention some of that, because that's going to come up in that conversation. So being able to offer up some sense of certainty in Stability. a time of upheaval. Yes. Um, Shreen, can I ask, your little boy was um, just a toddler um, when you went through divorce. How I can't even begin to think about the language that would be able to effectively communicate it. How did you navigate that? I think it took some phases because in my case, I think it was easier when he's a toddler. He was around two years old. I think the most important thing now, divorce is not anymore the taboo that we used to have before. You can see the diversity of single parents. You can see the diversity of a proper family, which is the natural form of any family. And now you can see a lot of divorce cases, which by default gives a kind of reassurance for our kids nowadays that it's not something odd. Mm -hmm. That's one. Two, in my case, it, it was much easier. In my case, I didn't need to explain to him. I needed to show him that his parents are there. And together, we used to go and have lunch together. He used to come at uh, his home, our home, where we are there. I used to go and visit his parents. I think how you form this new life will take another form. It's not your typical good morning and good night mm -hmm. where you have both couples in the house, but it still has a kind of form that the family is there. We share some problems. I think the most important thing that I personally faced and I loved how I personally uh, interacted on that and managed this is the minute when I asked him to do something when he was around four or five and he started like, okay, خلاص, daddy will do it for me. I call his daddy and I tell him, I know I'm gonna seem very firm, but I told him, okay, pack your clothes. I got the nanny. I told her, please pack Ziad's clothes and put them close to the door. I called his dad. He came across. I told him this happened. His dad looked at him and told him, we are not two. We are one. Whatever your mom says uh, a yes for is going to be a yes. Whatever she says no, it's a no. And this is where it took a very, very different way of how you manage this from when he was a toddler, mm -hmm. now he's 15 and a half. I'm not too old, <laughs> but he's 15 and a half. And I think looking at a kid that is quite happy and solid and doesn't have any psychological problems, it's something that brings happiness to my heart because I do believe that if the couple or the mom or the dad are happy, mm -hmm. they can raise happy kids. If, if the problem more. stays, and I had my best friend, they had separated uh, um, mom and dad, but no one knew. We never knew. But the house was always, was always full of negative energy that we didn't understand throughout the years. When mm -hmm. we grew up, 
I witnessed a conversation between my friend and her parents saying, you gave us a horrible life because we thought that this is how a husband and a wife act. So it's really, it has no rules. It's how you act with it. And it's the amount of love you're able to give. I think that's so well said. And unfortunately, we do see a lot of families. And sometimes it's financial reasons as well as the kind of staying together for the, for the kids narrative. That exactly as you say, what example are you setting when it comes to modeling what a loving relationship is if you are living under the same roof but ultimately very lonely and hating each other you know what do you what is your child learning about relationships in that situation and i still think there is a huge amount of stigma attached to divorce however i hope there's been a bit of a shift with people realizing that a successful marriage doesn't necessarily mean one that lasts until you die. You know, a successful marriage can be one where you spent some great time together and you had some beautiful kids and you made memories and you knew when to say, this isn't working anymore. Um, we've had a lot of messages. We're going to try and get through as many as we can um, on the show this afternoon. Dr. Salah joining us from Lighthouse Arabia. I'm just hearing that from Shireen Mustafa. She's the head of AV production at Leah Burnett and has been working on a recent film for Home Centre, which looks exactly this topic, Remarriage and Blended Families. <laughs> talking remarriage and blended families today some of the challenges also the opportunities with Dr. Saleh Afridi the clinical psychologist the founder and managing director of Lighthouse Arabia and Shreem Mustafa is with us today she is the woman behind a beautiful film that's been made for Home Centre looking at exactly this topic how family can take different forms she's the head of AB production at Leo Burnett here in Dubai she's also remarried herself and happy to share her own personal experiences and so many messages coming in on this um, I wondered if we can talk a little bit about blended families, Doctor, because it involves navigating some quite complex relationships. And I wondered perhaps if you could speak to what's come into clinic with families, with parents, some of the common issues that people face when it comes to blending those families, step parenting and addressing those challenges. What's come up for you? I think the issues that really come up is when the adjustment period is not necessarily honored. When you, just because two adults love each other and they've decided to do a life together, they haven't really considered, okay, well, what is that going to look like for our children? Uh, It gets a little bit trickier when both parents have children. Uh, It's a little bit easier when it's just one of the parents that has children, but that still also is difficult. Mm-hmm. And I and I just want to say that it's mostly difficult because there's a lot of grief that shows up when a parent decides to remarry. We have to think about the child's grief of, well, will my parents reunite? The, the, ch- the loss of having a single parent household the loss of not being that person for your par- uh, for your parent mm-hmm. and then not having that space with your parent and then obviously n- the adjustment of having a new person and then a lot of people don't navigate that new person's role really well so the person will come in let's just say it's a new father or dad that comes in to the relationship and he comes in as you know an authority and i'm going to be the father and i'll be the one to step in and it's that's where you really start to get messy where the biological parent needs to really navigate that relationship very very carefully and not have it you know just be a dominating um, not have that marriage be dominating that relationship mm-hmm. it is a blended family it mm-hmm. has to blend in not be forced in can i ask then about when it comes to 
And I know you're going to give me the psychologist answer of it depends. But how long perhaps you should wait or some of the signs that you are ready to introduce a partner to your kids. How, what would be an appropriate amount of time or when do you know that it's the right time? That's a tricky, so I won't say it depends. <laughs> I'll just say it's tricky to answer. But the research shows that the younger the children are, the easier it is for them. Um, when they are school-aged and teenage, you want to give them some time. This is not just your marriage ending and your process of grieving, but it's a child's life that changed forever. Mm -hmm. And they need time to process that. So I would say really honor that. And if you are attuned to your children, then you will know when that time is. However, I would like to just flag it to parents that sometimes there is a little bit of a sleeper effect where, oh, my kid is fine, they're doing okay, and everything is fine. But inside of them, it's unnamed grief, it's unprocessed grief. And so that is something that you do need to make space for. There's a lot of pain and grief that does not get acknowledged in children that go through divorce. Shereen, you were speaking earlier about the importance of communication and being on the same team as your ex-husband as you raised your your boy together. And it sounds like you had a very kind of child-centric approach. Was that a conscious decision? Was that something that you had to work hard on to say, we're going to try and put our differences aside because of him? Of course. I, I think in the the first couple of weeks uh, maybe a few months it, it it feels difficult so you do it uh, when you are not at ease but uh, as things uh, smoothen up across uh, if the 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 two the dad and the the mom are good people at core mm -hmm. and they are surrounded uh, uh, with uh, they're surrounded with uh, uh, good supportive systems and families, they help this come together. So I think communication is key. And the ability to love your children and put them first is uh, is what will give you the strength of even if you have a grief and even if you feel that you're not at ease dealing on day-to-day -day basis, but you happen to have children and this is not by choice. But I think also it's linked to what Dr. Saha was saying. The choice, uh, it's not about the time. It's about the new partner that you're going to bring in because it took me seven years to get married and everyone was telling me, don't lose time. You're getting old. I got divorced. Maybe I was 23 or 24. <laughs> I, I got married really early. But I think I you just need to get convinced that this person who will come into your life is going to be a person that uh, you don't ask him to be a second dad. But, but by default, he would love to become a second dad. Mm -hmm. And and this takes a lot of effort and phase, uh, phases and it needs a lot of love because to love a kid that's not yours is not something that everyone can do. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that acknowledgement of step parents and just what an incredible role so many of them fulfill with no guidebook. At all. A message here that perhaps you could speak to, Doctor, saying how can you recover from the trauma of coming out of a first toxic relationship? How do you become braver enough to open up to a relationship the second time around? I mean, this is a question for a whole big show, but I wondered if you could speak to any um, general guidelines or if there's any resources, books, podcasts um, that you think might be useful for this listener. I would say is that if you have a physical injury, you, you know, you really have a traumatic physical injury, you would take care of your physical body, you would rest it, you would nurture it, you would consider it. 
It's the same thing that goes for a heart that is broken. And the trauma, when we talk about trauma, our whole system is actually shattered by that. And so to consider that and know that healing does happen. Our body is designed to heal if we create the right conditions for it. I think if you don't understand what got you into that first relationship and how you got into that place and how did you with what led you to actually stay in a relationship that was that traumatic or that disruptive or destructive, then I wouldn't get into the next one. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be completely healed before you get into the next one because re- wounds that are created in relationships can only be healed in relationships. So some of that healing will happen through the other partner. Through love and consistent behavior. Exactly. And, yeah. but, but you, you have to, to understand well, how you got there in the first place. You do have to do a little bit of groundwork. And go into that with some self-awareness. Yes. Joining us on the show this afternoon. And as I said, we are going to end up having a bit of a quick fire round on the text line next. We've had an awful lot of messages on the topic of blended families, remarriage, step parenting and more. Something we will absolutely be continuing the conversation around here in the UAE. Shri Mustafa is with us today, the head of AV production at Leah Burnett Dubai. And joining us from Lighthouse Arabia, clinical psychologist, the founder and managing director, Dr. Salah. <laughs> Joining us in studio today to talk about blended families, remarriage, some of the practical emotional issues. Um, we have got Shri Mustafa. She's the head of AV production at Leo Burnett, Dubai. She leads on many regional campaigns, including a recent film for Home Centre, which looks exactly at this topic. She's also got personal experience of this. And Dr. Saleh is with us today, clinical psychologist. She's the founder and managing director of Lighthouse Arabia. Just got this message, and I haven't had so many messages on this topic, both through social media and earlier today. But I know this listener's just messaged, so I'd love to go to it because I know she's um, she's hearing right now. Um, no name, please. Says going through divorce. Got five year old and a three year old girl. Sorry, girls. The dad has been away since February, but calling twice a week for chat. We've told him grandma's not very well and dad's looking after her, which is partially true, but we don't know when he's coming back. We haven't opened the topic to the girls. Dad has done some very bad things and we cannot make it work despite many attempts. Harmful environments to the kids if the marriage continues, hence the divorce. So how do I begin? How and what to tell the kids about everything? And then how to cope with this journey going forward, keeping the communication with the dad, how often, etc. So I would say there are some really amazing groups um, in Dubai, both in real life and on, on Facebook as well where you'll be able to hear from women who are going through very, very similar circumstances. But doctor, from a psychological point of view, it sounds like things have really got to crisis point. And, you know, this mum's now thinking, right, I want to I want to put a practical plan in, in place to inform my kids, to protect myself and feel in control. So what comes to mind upon hearing that message? So the first thing I would say, I mean, it's a very difficult situation to be in. And I, I can empathize with that. I would say that if there is a possibility of dad coming in just simply for that conversation, I would say try to have that conversation in person. However, if it must be done where you have to make this announcement to the children, then we can get him on Zoom and they can both be present. Like I said before, plan ahead for this conversation, what's going to change, what's not going to change. One thing that I would like, and you know, I used to coach individual uh, couples through uh, divorce in my past life, and I, um, there is such a thing as a good divorce, even though there was a bad marriage. And one way to do that is really separate out 
the husband from the father and separate those two ideas out in your mind. You can be absolutely angry with the husband, but you protect the father of the children. And that way you can you can keep the children whole and their hearts whole rather than having to split them into your marriage. They don't need to know the details of your marriage. They need to know they have a good father. They need to know they have a caring father. And that's what keeps their hearts whole rather than breaking their hearts with the idea of the father. You know, my husband was a bad husband and he has done some bad things. Mm -hmm. So try to keep those two things separate. And when I say speak to Speak to the father of the children versus the husband. That way you will also know who you're dealing with in that moment. And that might actually frame it differently for you so you can approach it a little bit differently in those conversations. I think that is really great advice in terms of that compartmentalizing of the role. Because yes. I just said to you off air, I would worry that if I was to get divorced, which Dubai rumor mill, everything is not going in that direction. <laughs> but... Um, I would worry that if, you know, I felt like I'd been treated unfairly or badly, the temptation would be to pour poison in the ear of the child. You know, you're, or, you know, directly or indirectly, you know, daddy, not sorry, daddy did this, but, and do you get that a lot? Yes. Do you get kind of we weaponizing, I guess? Yes, that is weaponizing the children. And it also is very toxic for the children. Mm -hmm. the, that will never end well. It will always end in harm. So when you are going through a divorce and the marriage, preserve the family as much as possible. And that is very, very, <clears throat> very, very different in those two things. Really avoid blame. Get a therapist. Find a friend. Have your tribe. <coughs> you can vent to those people. But to your children, the father must remain. And eventually they will come to their own realization, but these girls are young. And so when they're young, they really do need to believe in a good mother and a good father in order for them to feel whole. And I've always said that a broken home is not one that is divorced. A broken home is where two parents are fighting with each other and they're throwing the kids in the middle of it. And that is breaking their hearts. You can have two very happy homes and it is a divorced home, but it actually is a good divorce and they've thought through and they've kept the kids at the center of it. Great advice, Dr. Salha. Jen saying, great topic. Our blended family works well. I put it down to four very involved parents who all put the children first. Yes. Um, all the children know that they're the priority for the parents and they've got the added bonus of night step parents and step siblings too. Also, we've never forced the family thing. Make sure we've got plenty of one-on-one -on -one time with their own parents. It's still hard sometimes. Obviously, people fall out and get on each other's nerves like any family. Um, and Sammy's saying ours works well, but I would say it's because there's no bitterness between the exes. Everyone puts the kids first. Um, now, a message about step parenting here. Um, this is from P and um, that came through on social media. They're saying stepmom here. The kids are great. But where I do struggle is with my role as a disciplinarian, especially when their dad isn't around. They're nine and 11. Or we haven't had the you're not my real mum line yet, but I feel like it's brewing when I try to enforce family rules around screen time tidiness, for example doesn't really come with a guidebook, does it, this step-parenting role. Um, Dr. Salah, what would you say to P or anyone else that's kind of navigating a new identity in a new family unit? I, I would wonder how long they've been in this situation. So how long has this, you know, new family formation happened? Uh, but in the beginning, until there is a bond, until there is trust, I would avoid the disciplinarian role. So the dad really needs to be overly involved when it comes to disciplining. 
because he should not put you in that situation where you have to do it. Mm -hmm. So where you can have, I mean, maybe he travels and he's not home, but you can have rules that the dad writes up on the wall and you just say, hey, listen, do you remember those rules? Those are the rules and we have to follow those rules. So you're basically, you know, putting it out onto the system rather than I'm the one that has to do, uh, I'm the one telling you what to do. Like, you can't tell me what to do should not be a statement. It's like, I'm not telling you. I'm just... I'm just pointing you towards the rules. So <laughs> this is a piece of paper. Exactly. Um, Shreen, can I ask you, um, you've been like, living in a, a, you know, a, a re- reformed family in some ways with your new partner now for how many years? Six. When a friend comes to you and they've, they're unhappy in a marriage and they're maybe thinking about leaving or having a, a new family situation, what, what have your big learnings been from what you've been through yourself and you know, having seen friends and family members going going through similar. Is there anything you'd do differently or anything you'd advise people listening today to do? I think nothing uh, um, beats something that comes naturally. The natural form of any family is uh, uh, the biological mom and dad. But every rule has an exception. And I think it's all about how you put it together. Mm -hmm. Like looking at my personal case, and I didn't plan it. Uh, Maybe there's a lot of knowledge that I've... uh, acknowledged throughout the years that helped me shape the way I see how can I how how should I manage my my remarriage with my son first it's with the choice and the selection of this person that you'll open the door and get him in to your kid be it in my case he's a boy in other cases it's a girl it becomes very sensitive so your choice is important the, I, I loved what Dr. Salha said about uh, the, the differentiation between a dad and a husband. And once you differentiate, you don't see the husband. Uh, you see a friend. So over the years, we became friends whom we share managing our son. Mm-hmm. When it comes to my husband and I have to give him uh, Nidr Akram, uh, I think uh, it's been a beautiful, uh, heartfelt relationship that I saw it evolving in many ways. It started with an intruder, and that's our film. And this is when we spoke even internally with Tahab, Kal, Farhan, and all the whole team. Uh, the way we saw it as it's not only about the lovey-dovey moments. This is what we've done in this film for Home Center. In the beginning, the kid sees it as a monster. And something, someone who's intruding your life, do not force it. Let it be. First, it needs, you need to have this um, breaking the ice feel. By time, it evolves. By time, the kid sees that this person is a good person because obviously you chose a good person. And then by time, he becomes a parent, maybe much better than what I do or his biological dad do. There are stuff that we wouldn't solve that he would solve it better. So I think just take it easy, take it step ahead, uh, one step at a time. But also at the same time, don't try too hard Mm -hmm. because you didn't do a mistake. Things happen. And when you operate out of feeling uh, something bad towards something that you've done towards your kids, this is when you overdo it. And kids are super smart. The minute the minute they trap you in between a divorced couple. And if I didn't give him money, he would take it from someone else and you get into this trap, it will never be as solid as it should be. So mm-hmm. I think it's just go with the flow. Don't try too hard and choose right. Um, a message from D here saying, thank you so much for this. I'd welcome advice about my ex-wife weaponizing our four-year-old daughter. She does it more when she's single. I've been with my new partner for eight months and I feel like we need a third party to help us talk about it. Does anyone do this? 
Yes, 100%. Co-parenting is a thing. And, uh, you know, before you get a divorce, while, while you're going through a divorce, after you get a divorce, it is a it, it is important for you to sit with a mental health professional so you can tease out the father and the husband and the mother and the wife situation. Mm-hmm. And having some type of contract where you decide on what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, what you're going to say, what you're not going to say, what's, you have to be absolutely aligned in order for that child to grow up and still believe in love and marriage and all the beautiful things that that brings. And so if you don't do that, you literally are corrupting that whole system of that child. So I would say to that mother and to anyone else that is weaponizing their children, stop. And I really feel very upset about this because for me, there's no one speaking for that four-year-old. There's no one saying, stop, don't do this. I'm sure that this dad is, but no one that is near or dear to this woman mm-hmm. who who would say that to her. So it really is that these children need advocates, but for sure, co-parenting, divorce conversations. Most people say, oh, we'll go to couples therapy, we'll tend to our marriage, oh, we're getting a divorce, and then they stop coming. It's like, no, 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 now you come, and we figure out how to go through a good divorce, Mm -hmm. because there is such a thing as a good divorce, and there is such a thing as a good remarriage and a good family life even after the divorce. Well said. Um, I've had a number of people asking for your details. Doctor, am I okay to share those? Sure. Okay, if you want to send me the word doctor, I'll send you the link so you can find Dr. Salah at Lighthouse. And for watching... That film, Shireen, where can people see your insights on this family situation? What's the best way of tracking down the Home Centre film? It was really um, something emotional for me because I relate to it. And I think this is what we wanted to do. We didn't want to fake anything. The kid was there and this is how we've seen it. Sometimes you give them a beautiful life, a beautiful house. You get them lots of gifts and stuff and you even overdo stuff that they've never experienced before and they're still unhappy. But uh, and they still see things in a in, in this monster form. But by time and by being genuine about things, and the number of times I've been approached to have a relationship, and I never felt it was right for my son. Maybe at least five or six times, but I've never felt that this would be the dad for my son. And uh, getting a gift for my son is not something that will guarantee that you'll be a good father for my son. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, it's all about witnessing this and embracing it. You didn't do a mistake. And seeing really the film and the way the, the, the boy was reacting to the monster, I really see because suddenly you have someone living at home. Suddenly you have someone who shares a table with you. Suddenly you have someone that at one point of time you might see him walking in a room with your mom. If you don't raise kids that are that, that they have a, a mentality that's open, sometimes Ziad, my son, and I really give it to him because the amount of love you give, he gives it back. He tells me, Yella, go out, T- take your husband and go out for dinner. It's been some time. This oh. is this is the give give relationship that you should have. I think looking at at my son and seeing that he he never felt that I gave him less love because someone else is sharing. I love to give this example. It's the same example when you have a husband and the husband has a mom. 
He loves his mom as the very first woman in his life, but he loves you as the first woman in his life as well. This mm-hmm. does not contradict with this. I think that's what mm-hmm. we need to balance with, especially mm-hmm. when the husband is not the biological dad. It happens with normal parents. What if, if this parent is an intruder in this kid's life? So I think it's how we see it and the amount of love you're able to give. And amazing to think about that journey being someone who's gone from a stranger to perhaps someone who's the most one of the most important people in that child's life. Thank you so much. Really, really value that. And I said that home centre film, looking at re-blended families and remarriage as well. And Dr. Sahala, you can find at Lighthouse Arabia. You're listening to Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan, where the number one ingredient is always high quality salmon, lamb, turkey and chicken. We are on hand to help. And when I say we, I don't mean me. I mean Dr. Lewis from Pet Pavilion. And um, I was going to say, I hope you've had a coffee, but you're actually full of beans anyway. One of the most energetic men in the UAE. You're going to be busy this next hour. How are you, Doctor? That's good. Doing super good. Every time I come here, he's just great. Thank you so much. We love having you here. Um, Now, for context, if people haven't heard you before, tell us about your area of passion, interest, and indeed your PhD. Yeah, so actually I am a veterinarian, as you said, and uh, my specialization or, or the part that I went deeper in, uh, it was on regenerative medicine, so stem cells and other treatments like that. Uh, but also there's an area that I really touch in the PhD, which is uh, epigenetics. And What does that mean? Something super simple, like, well, it's more complicated, but it's super <laughs> simple. Uh, so uh, how the environment is able to modify the DNA expression but without modifying the sequence of the DNA. So when we modify the sequence of the DNA, we have a mutation. But actually, we can modify the expression, what is meant to be through the DNA code, by modifying the environment. Give us some examples of what this can look like, whether it's to do with a condition or behavior, symptoms, things like that. So the very first thing uh, for explaining is is like you have two two twin brothers, exactly the same genetics, you send them, uh, one of them to the North Pole and the other one to the South Pole. They are not going to be the same. So the expression of the DNA, what it looks like, what we call the phenotype, is not going to be the same. That extrapolates to many things, including diseases. Um, something, the most typical one that we talk about, diabetes. Mm. Many people is predisposed to have diabetes, but thanks to the environment or <laughs> uh, due to the environment, we are able to avoid the expression of, of diabetes or actually the environment is able to... Uh, uh, encourage the expression of that diabetes. So with our animals in particular, and I'm thinking obviously we're here in the Middle East, is there anything we need to be particularly tuned into, Dr. Lewis? And what would you love to see people at home thinking about for the best possible health for their animal? Well, for, for me, there are two factors that are essential, maybe three. But the very first one is, is the food that we get. The, 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 the food that we get is going to define because the food is part of the environment, actually. Mm-hmm. So what we get... Uh, you, you remember that expression that says we are what we eat? Well, it also applies to the animals. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chicken shawarma and red licorice. But yes. Well, it's pretty good though because we need to be happy. So, <laughs> No, but I think that what that kind of comes back to is when our pets are getting the same meal twice a day or you know, more when they're younger, everything needs to be in that bowl that they need. You know, that it's, exactly. a, it's a got to be a complete diet. And exactly. So... It is how we feed them, what we feed them, and also when we feed them. Sometimes when they are super stressed, it's not good to feed them. Mm. Uh, probably because they are going to eat very fast or they are going to have a very bad digestion. So the environment, it, it includes literally everything. The second part that I, uh, that, that I was talking about, it, it relates to the stress. 
and stressful uh, and a stressful life for an animal it, it it is not good by any means because the metabolism is going to be affected but also the expression of the dna mm -hmm. we're able we're going to modify certain things that actually were not meant to. When we think, think about a stressful environment, what are some of the factors that we can control to make sure that our, I guess, our, our pet's mental health is, is good? Yeah, exactly. That, that enters more on, on the part of the behaviour. But the typical example is a cat. Cats, for example, they stress with certain type of uh, very um, strong colours, like big yellows or things like that sometimes, because they prefer like calm environments. And on that, we enter on a concept called Fear Free that several clinics here in the UAE we apply. Mm -hmm. Basically, to provide everything that, that, the stray, that the stress reduces. Sometimes when we are in very noisy environments, that's also not very good for certain type of animals, mainly seniors. Senior animals, they need to be calm. They need to be stimulated, though. So it's, because a senior is a senior, it doesn't mean that we cannot do exercise. So staying at home and just having a sedentary life is not great either. Yeah, you want that mental stimulation, but not overstimulation. Exactly. I've seen some really great videos recently about... Um, I guess, treats and feeding in more creative ways to, to really make the animals think, whether it's tying up treats yeah. and rags. and Exactly, like the snuffle mats yes. that they are very in fashion, but actually they work super well. Mm. First of all, we're feeding like a very little amount of food that they need to find, uh, they, they get entertained. They're, they really need to, uh, uh, to, to look for that treat. But also the great thing is that they are not eating super fast. The, so the slow feeders or, or when we don't eat very fast, that is great because we are not uh, when we have a huge uh, glucose intake. Actually, the problem is that we have a huge insulin peak afterwards, mm -hmm. and that's not good. If we if we have it like uh, um, uh, delayed or, or released slowly, it's much better. I've just seen. I've just seen. I've just had a phone call from my daughter about ten minutes ago, and I was like, "You've got thirteen seconds. <laughs> what do you want to know?" And she's like, "I know you've got the bet on today. Can you ask about our homemade treats?" Okay, so my daughters are six and eight, and they're obsessed with our dogs. And they started. I think they must have seen something on YouTube about making treats and frozen treats in particular mm -hmm. for pets. So what I've left Phoebe with today is some leftover sweet potato a bit of Greek yogurt and she wants to blend it, freeze it and put a bit of kibble in the middle. And she's like, can you check that's okay for Jarvis? Actually, it is not bad. Um, for example, normally when we have allergies, uh, sometimes we do the, the, the suppression test. So we eliminate all the food mm -hmm. and the very first thing that we start feeding them is potatoes oh, because right. it's quite hypoallergenic. Uh, yogurt. Obviously, we don't want to give a huge amount of yogurts, but on the other hand, uh, yogurt usually has probiotics. So again, we cannot give to everyone every day, every second, because that's not good either. But again, a stimulation, a stimulation of the of the of the uh, intestinal microbiota through through certain things like that is not bad as long as they don't have diarrhea, as long as we are not giving it all the time, mm -hmm. and as long as the animal accepts it well. Because sometimes we can have uh, some intolerances to, uh, to to certain uh, milk products, and yogurt could enter on this category. So everything with control, yeah. I'll tell. She calls them Phoebe's refreshers because they can. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Good marketing. Branding exercise in my eight-year-old. Right. We are going to go to the text line next. Joining us in studio, Dr. Lewis from Pet Pavilion. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan. Groundbreaking science. Life-changing nutrition. Dr. Lewis in the studio from Pet Pavilion. Do you have pets at the moment, doctor? Right now, no. Uh, <gasps> usually what I do is fostering. Um, so when I when I arrived to the country, I said to myself because I, I was working a lot of hours that uh, I was going to foster animals. Uh, 
the great thing is I can I can bring them to uh, with me to to oh, work. Nice. And until this last month, I had a great uh, dog, uh, Sala, uh, that uh, she was uh, hand, uh, handed uh, by by House of Hounds. Uh, oh, they're fantastic organization. Yeah, yeah, they are. So she was with me for eight months, and now she's living a great life in Portugal. Oh wow! Yeah, she's in Portugal. Yeah, she's having. A, she's a tripod, and um, she had a lot of difficulties. That's why in Pet Pavilion through physiotherapy, we taught her how to walk and how to do everything basically back to normal. And now she's having a, a great life. I will Whoa, show you later videos. What a lovely, she's lucky impressive. girl. Well, we've got loads of cat questions for you today. Um, Gino, we were just talking about food there as a really crucial part of the pet's environment for their health. Gino saying, is it okay to wean a cat off cat food and change their diet to home-cooked meals as long as it is cat-friendly? So, yes and no. For the simple reason, sometimes we try to humanize quite a lot the food that we are giving to our animals. And... Um, Finally, that's a source of changing the metabolism. So what I recommend is contacting a veterinarian, if possible, a specialist in nutrition. And of course, there is a way of, of getting out uh, those commercial brands and getting into something uh, that is balanced, that has all the nutrients that mm-hmm. the animal does need, but not just going blindly or just bold saying, no, I'm going to change from one to another and super sharp. Yeah. It needs to be a transition super slowly for avoiding any problem. And again, super important because it can be cat friendly, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that the quantities are the correct ones. That must be. Re- I can't even begin to imagine how complicated it would be to calculate exactly. It, it, it is possible. It yeah. is possible because again, the great thing nowadays is that we know all the proteins, all the carbohydrates, and there's whatever. Your macros. Uh, exactly. There you go for your cat. <laughs> Um, but I think it is really important, as you said there, Doctor, to be doing it under vet supervision. So checking their bloods, making sure that everything is exactly. A-OK and keeping an eye on it. I don't know if this is a pet peeve or a question, but a message here saying, my dog Yuki accidentally pees herself from excitement when her favourite humans visit. Doesn't happen to everyone, only her favourite. My dog, my um, friend Beth's dog, Murphy. You know, when you, you know chocolate labs who just eat everything? Murphy would have like you know, a pack of butter and, you know, a loaf of bread. He was an absolute animal. <laughs> and whenever we used to have sleepovers as teenagers, Murphy used to come into, into Beth's bedroom and we'd all be sleeping on the floor and he would just wee everywhere. It was revolting. But I don't know if this is a behaviour thing or a health thing. So, again, it can be both. But normally, they, I, when, when animals, for example, they come uh, on the part of daycare with us, many of them, they pee uh, from excitement when, when they see the staff because they, they spend a the whole day with them. So that's something that can be normal. Again, if the amount is huge... Uh, I would worry because sometimes it's an incontinence and it's related to the bladder. Could be a neurological issue. Normally, it's not. Normally, it's something that is very normal. That uh, again, Yay! from the excitement, <laughs> we, we, we just do that. Um, sometimes we ha- we have a way of controlling or trying to to do like a positive reinforcement. Okay, ah, today he didn't pee when he's on me. Ah, I'm gonna give a treat. And bit by bit, maybe they are they are going to start uh, associating that. Ah, I'm not peeing. I'm getting a treat. But today I peed. And <laughs> what a so, life. I'm actually, not peeing, I get a treat. Actually, they are much more intelligent than we think uh, they are many times. No, and they associate super well, the things. Okay, I hope that helps with Yuki. Um, we've had a message from Bella. I, I, um, I haven't had cats since I was a child, but I'm intrigued to get your take on this. How do you know if a cat likes or dislikes <laughs> you? <laughs> That's the eternal question. I, I've no idea. So, I mean, no, no, every cat is different. And we need to understand that many cats, they are not like dogs. They, are, they don't show as much as affection as other ones. I cannot tell if a cat hates you unless they attack you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, there are many things uh, because it's like humans. 
Uh, cats sometimes they have very subtle ways of showing affection. Um, it, we need to learn to read them. We need to learn how how they uh, if they are friendly that day. Even the small changes they can show it. Normally, for a, I mean, cats normally are, are inherently nice. I mean, they they can be distant, but it doesn't mean that they are going to be mean. So normally, I would assume that the cat doesn't hate you. And uh, it's, it's just that they, sometimes they need their space. But we have ways of approaching, of course, respecting their uh, their, their privacy. And well, I, I have no idea how long they have been with the cat, but maybe they will come close to them. What about, I mean, signs, you know, with a, with a happy dog, you know, you, the, the kind of the wagging tail is a bit of a stereotype because it doesn't always mean they're happy. But dogs do seem to be a bit more expressive. Are there, 100%. Are there any more tells in cats that you've picked up over the years? Yeah, of course. Many times, for example, they, they just go around and, and, they, and they just walk between your legs. Proximity. Exactly. They get close. Sometimes, for example, when you are laying, just for example, when they hear your voice, they just stand up and they go close to you. Uh, for example, when you are feeding them every single time, they know that you are feeding. So o- o- obviously they are going to to approach. If they don't want to be with you, they will wait that you put the food and they will just leave afterwards. Okay. Dr. Louis with us today. Um, I've got a question from Sarah. This actually came on my social media about an hour ago saying, at lunchtime, my dog ate a baby wipe off the table. I just wiped my son's face and hands. He gulped it down so quickly I didn't have the chance to, to grab it. He's a Yorkie cross, she says, like a Yorkie on stilts. Um, it was it was a wipe, 99% water wipe, so shouldn't be toxins. I've Googled it. Advice varies. Some sites say let nature take its course, but monitor closely. Other sites advise inju- inducing vomiting. Uh, three hours ago, I think it's too late to do anything. Should I worry? Well, I mean, normally w- w- they, in- they intake that with it. Um, when it is 99% water, probably it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be disintegrated within the body. Um, vomiting. Some people, they say, no, let's, uh, let's provoke the vomit. We need to understand that the vomit reflex needs to be triggered right after when it is needed. When it has passed already to the intestines, it is impossible that goes back through because because there are doors that they close, actually. So again, um, what we need to do is monitoring. I fully agree with that. Again, if we see that the animal stops eating, we see a weird behavior, we see that the stools are different or lesser, or even, for example, we see that a little piece of the white, but we don't see everything. Mm -hmm. We monitor and then we check. Um, again, uh, assuming that is 99% water, is going to be disintegrated. I didn't know that there were wipes in 99% water, to be oh, honest. Oh, yeah, they're the really expensive ones. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she says, gleeful that her children are no longer in nappies. Sarah, please keep us posted. So you would agree with that. Keep an eye on it. Yeah, but the vomit reflex, uh, it triggered that vomit reflex. I don't think it's a good idea, to be honest, because we are going to irritate the esophagus and maybe we're going to create the second problem. Okay. Really hope that helps. These animals... I mean, I would say that our dog has eaten flip-flops, uh, Kindle, mo- the best part of a Kindle. We've had books, corners of chairs, corners of doors. It's pretty incredible what a dog can ingest. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and they challenge us all the time. We think, ah, oh, no, no, there's nothing that they can get. Oh, then no. we are right back home. Ah, they could do this. Challenge accepted. <laughs> exactly. All right, Dr. Lewis with us this afternoon. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan. We are talking all things animal between now and five and Dr. Lewis in the studio. We are going to try and help as many people as possible. How do you feel about a little quick fire round on the tax line? Let's go for okay. it. Okay. Message here saying, Helen, I have a parrot. And this has included a parrot emoji. Um, I left my parrot at a parrot hotel for a month. 
I'm going to be honest, didn't know such a thing existed, but it's Dubai, so why wouldn't it? <laughs> However, since I got her back, all she does is sleep, which is not normal for her. I am not Dr. Helen. Is it a case of just going to the vet at this point? Yeah, actually, yes, because many times they are the owners who know the best their pets. And a parrot that is super active and now is just sleeping could be several things. Sometimes because uh, on the pet hotel, uh, maybe the parrot has not been eating very well and now is not able to cope up because mm. maybe it's anemic. Or there's a deficiency that could explain that, a lack of energy as well. Again, with a good uh, examination and with a good blood test, we're going to have many more answers, 100%. Gets thee to the vet. Sometimes you can, we can give you a bit of a diagnosis and answer reassurance just by from a message, but often case it is, you know, get to the vet and figure out. Now, Danny, this song is for you. Smelly cat, smelly cat, what <laughs> are they it. feeding you? Smelly cat, smelly cat, it's not your fault. Or is it your fault? We don't know. Danny's been in touch saying, I'm struggling with our cat who is... Smelly. Says, I'm sorry, Aladdin, but I am naming and shaming you on the radio. We live in a small apartment and his poo stinks out the whole place. He's had a sensitive stomach since he was little, regularly has runny poos, always smelly. Samples haven't found anything and I can't afford to spend another 2,000 dirhams. Does your vet have any advice on how to get rid of a smelly bum? I've had cats, so expect a smell, but this is next level. It makes a part of our apartment completely unusual because of that smell. And it doesn't help that he won't bury his litter either. Grateful for any advice. Danny sounds desperate. So, so obviously, I, I don't know which are the tests that were done and what was ruled out. Um, but many times, something that happens and, and many people they don't think about is that uh, like humans, we can have dysbiosis. So basically, the, the, the intestinal microbiota or the gut's microbiota that we have there Sometimes because of stress, because uh, uh, the diet, because we were sick, because many other reasons. Mm-hmm. Even the water ca- can, can, can change that. Um, w- we have a, a change of that microbiota and getting back to normal uh, is not easy and we are not able to, to replace. That's why we have a certain probioti- uh, probiotics. Uh, there's a lot of them, some for, like for the flora, for example, that you add as a supplement for, for the food. And um, they are super helpful. Something that I would need to know, though, is that if the if the feces they were smelling like that before, or it is something totally new, mm-hmm. because like that we were able to establish maybe if there were some changes that produced that. Okay, so it might be a case of having a look back, but maybe more tests as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we've got time for one last question, um, and this is from Ellie, who says, my one-year-old cockapoo is booked in on the 14th, so 10 days' time, to be neutered, spayed. Mm-hmm. It's my first time owning a dog. It's a new experience. She's so wonderful. Can't imagine life without her now, but I'm a little bit nervous for the operation, although I know it's good for her in the long run. I've taken some flexi time from work so I can be there for the aftercare. I know to avoid strenuous walks for a while, but not much else. Google has told me about a surgical suit, so any experience on items needed would be great. What else do I need to know? That's from Ellie. Well, the very first thing that she needs to know or be assured that it's a super, super common uh, surgery. Neutering and spaying is, is the day after day of every veterinary clinic. So as soon as... I'll, normally before these type of surgeries, we, we just do a simple blood test to check everything is fine. Anesthesia doesn't last very long. It's a super short procedure in general, unless... There are other complications, but that's not usual. Um, it really 
doesn't last very long. And then for the for the those surgical suits, it depends the type of suture or closing that they do that. Okay. Some people decide to put the cone for avoiding the leakage. Is, it, is the surgical suit the one that looks a bit like a baby grow? K- kind of, <laughs> kind of. So yeah, it, it really depends also on which are the habits of the animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the animal, they, 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 they leak themselves quite a lot. So that's a, a good uh, point uh, to add that surgical suit. Some animals, they don't like it though. Uh, because they don't feel comfortable with, with, with that tissue again, uh, but sometimes with a small cone uh, that we can put when when the animal is not with us or when we are not uh, doing surveillance of the animal, that's something that we can do. So again, there, there are several options, and probably the vet will tell which is the best one. But again, uh, she can be super uh, assured that uh, there's nothing to worry about, okay. and it's something that happens very often. What they need the most after the surgery is love and care. That's it. Lots of cuddles. Exactly. And a few little treats. And we feel better too, actually, when we do those those cuddles because we totally. feel like needed. So, yeah, it's something nice. But, yeah, I, I understand that. It's not nice to think about our, our little ones being under anaesthetic and, and yeah. having to recover. But you're absolutely right. Best best thing to do in the long run and uh, be up and about before you know it. Dr. Lewis, for anyone that wants to find you in real life or online, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? So, yeah, we are on Pet Pavilion uh, every day. They can uh, reach us through Instagram, petpavilion.ae, through our website as well, uh, petpavilion.ae. Um, they can give us a phone call uh, to our phone number. Um, and yeah, whenever they need something, we are here. Thank you so much for your Thanks time you. and expertise. Really, really appreciate it. We are marking Childhood Cancer Awareness Month and if you are an artist, musician, entertainer, if you've got a talent or a hidden talent, we need you because Densu Mina and Abduluna are coming together for a campaign, a platform to raise awareness, drive support and connect child cancer sufferers with professionals and uh, offering up a bit of inspiration entertainment and education too. Joining us in studio, the founder of Abduluna, we've got Lama Andari and Tarek Duik, who's with us, the CEO of Dentsu Mina. Lama, I'd love to start with you, if you don't mind. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your personal passion and connection to childhood cancer? Where did it begin for you? Of course. Thank you so much, Helen, for this amazing opportunity. It's great to be here. Um, So uh, my name is Lama. I was inspired by my own son, who was diagnosed at the age of two, Um, with the childhood cancer, specifically leukemia. And that was exactly two years and a half ago. Uh, I realized early on that, unfortunately, childhood cancer is not a topic that receives sufficient attention in the UAE, in the region, and even globally. Um, And I just couldn't sit still uh, considering my background in comms and international development. So the first thing I did one year into his treatment was to write a children's book called Super Kids, to be able to raise awareness about childhood cancer uh, in the society at large. And I also founded a social enterprise called Abtaluna. Abtaluna in Arabic means our superheroes in Arabic. And um, the aim behind it is to raise awareness, create partnerships, and to support families going through childhood cancer. Not only does the super kids going through cancer get um, impacted, but also their entire families. And you can't do that alone? Of course not. (laughs) Which is where you come in, Tarek. Tell us a little bit about your profession and how you guys connected. Where did it begin? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting story. So Denso is an advertising and communication agency. And what we do is help brands raise awareness and reach their audience and impact human behavior. So uh, one day I got a random message on LinkedIn from someone that I don't know, but now I'm, I'm proud to know very well as a, as a friend. Uh, saying, asking confidently, hey, I need help to raise awareness for children cancer. 
this is my case, I uh, my my son's case, but it's not for my son only, it's for all children. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? And I like three things. I like how brave the person reaching out. I like that there is a personal angle, but the request is not for personal, it's for, for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And they're asking for something that is our craft, something that we are good at, uh, at doing. And uh, we jumped on on, uh, on it. Now, it's called Here to Matter. What is your mission with this, Lama? What's it all about and, and how can we help today, I guess? Uh, so first of all, really, thank you so much, Tare. You know, I, I send a, I send out a lot of LinkedIn messages to be able to get support for Aptarana, and some of those messages uh, go completely ignored. But I really appreciate that Tare not only took action, but he got his entire team on board, and they did a fantastic job from creating the concept to the implementation, execution, uh, a follow-up, etc. So uh, there's a lot that we can do. As you said, one hand cannot clap on its own. We need several partnerships to be created between the private sector, the non-governmental sector, the public sector, uh, schools, hospitals, etc. The Here to Matter campaign has been created to be able to fill a gap, a very important gap. First and foremost, the mission is to be able to raise awareness about childhood cancer. People don't want to talk about cancer, and when you add the word childhood to it, People tend to have goosebumps or feel uneasy about it. Let's face it, Mm -hmm. every single child out there, unfortunately, is at risk of having cancer. And what really um, is very painful for me is that there are kids out there who are going through the signs and symptoms and their parents, their teachers, even sometimes their doctors are not diagnosing them sufficiently. Mm -hmm. And the second mission is for the society to come together so that any individual out there, and really I would like to make use of this amazing platform and your voice, Helen, to ask everyone to step up and to, one, learn about childhood cancer from sources that are credible, evidence-based. Two, see if they want to support the campaign, aptalana.com slash here to matter. They can fill a simple form. They can contribute. We don't want their money at all. We want their time and their skills and their talents. And that, those are the most important. I've had a message here saying, I've tried so hard to get into a hospital to read terminally ill children a story once a week or even once a month. I'm having tried so hard, I've never heard back. How can I go about this? This is from Tanya. It's a good one. There you go. Abtalana.com. Please go to the Here to Matter, fill the form, mention that, and I'll connect them with hospitals uh, who would be open to that. We definitely have a gap here in terms of um, children and families who need the support, mm-hmm. people who want to provide the support, and there is like, unfortunately, a bridge that needs to be linked. I think that's so true. I feel like I'm a firm believer that everybody has so much goodness in them. I, I really For do. Sure. And, and sometimes you want to help, but you just don't know how. Totally agree with you. You know, and it's sometimes a case of putting these hands together. You know, sometimes it's a case of this is the website, this is the connection, this is the person. And you're ultimately connecting a lot of those those puzzle pieces. So what? who are you looking for, Lama? What, what, tell us about some of the skills, the talents, the disciplines. So individuals with, with skills, uh, whether it's a photographer, bakers, um, artists. Um, sometimes we get requests for individuals who want to meet specific fields like a racer, a Formula One racer, which are a bit more difficult. But the idea is for people to come about. We connect the super kid or their siblings. I just want to also raise a very important point that unfortunately we do have certain situations where our super kids are no longer with us mm-hmm. because 
because unfortunately they couldn't make it. They fought hard, but at the end of the day, they mm-hmm. couldn't. And that's where we need to also provide support to their siblings and to their parents. So this is open to the siblings as well. They lost their uh, uh, siblings to cancer, but they sh- we should be there as, as a community to be able to provide them with these services. So this is about contributing your time, your skills to support children and indeed, as you said, their families um, enduring cancer. Now, the website, I've already had a people, people going, what was the website? Um, <laughs> if, you send, if you want to send me the word link, I will send you the website. You can find out there whether you are a requester or a contributor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just love the idea of it being on both sides because I'm sure there are families listening today who are saying, sure. what an amazing opportunity. Tarek, how rewarding has this been for you so far? And this is really just the beginning of the journey. It's, it's been fantastically rewarding to me and all my, uh, my team. Uh, we've had people in the company from Egypt, Dubai, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia working on this uh, on this campaign. In general, people would like to feel that their job has a purpose mm. and it's not charity. So it's using your actual skills, the craft of your business to still do business and do good for the society. And this was a fantastic opportunity to do that. Uh, One of the things that um, we considered when we started the relationship, let's treat it like we treat any brand, any client. It's not charity work. It's not pro bono work, even if it is. But this is a professional advertising communication campaign. I also want to lastly do a bit of a shout out because we've got some very talented listeners right here. Um, And sometimes it's a hobby, sometimes it's a profession. So, Lama, I've had so many people already asking for the link. Um, (laughs) For the Here to Matter campaign, tell us, sports stars, musicians, all the above, artists, writers, but even if it's not a it doesn't have to be. It could be just a hobby. And the idea behind it is, uh, you know, not to get... uh, the best person out there in that profession. Mm-hmm. It's to get anyone in the society who wants to support and to be there for super kids and their families. And it's the gesture. It's the thought that counts. And this is what this campaign is all about. And I just want to say how grateful I am to the Dubai community and to the UAE community at large. If you had asked me this question exactly a year ago when I started Abtalana, would you have expected this much support? I would have said no. Um, big enterprises, small enterprises, everyone in the middle, even individuals um, are reaching out to say, how can we support? And it, it just means a lot. And lastly, your book, which we have at home and yes. we've spoken before that, you know, yes. we've got actually got a, a number of children at my um, at my girls' school who are going through childhood cancer right now. And it's been a huge help for, for them to, to read this. For anyone who wants to get hold of the book, and I'm a firm believer that reading can be such a powerful tool and actually really help parents totally in talking about some quite difficult things. Of Where can people get hold of Super Kids, Our Journey Healing from Cancer? Just head to the website, abtalana.com. You can order it there. You can also find it on Amazon. You can find it in Kinukania, Dubai Mall. And recently I did a partnership with Expo, so they can also find the book there. Um, yeah, the book is available for people to be able to raise awareness, learn about childhood cancer for those families impacted and not because it's for everyone. Tarek, thank you so much for thank your you. time. Really wonderful to think about you lending your expertise to such a worthy platform. And for everyone listening today, if you feel like you've got something to offer, whether it is time, expertise, skills, some good humour, it's not about charity. It's about making these families feel like they are not alone and inspiring children going through some of the toughest times. Lama, I'm going to let you say the website one more time. Yes. But I can also send it out. <laughs> sure. www.ab.com. 
T-A-L-U-N-A.com. And you can find us on Instagram. Please follow us, share our content. Uh, there's a really important section on the website that has the early signs and symptoms for childhood cancer. Please, everyone, every parent, print those, share them with your nannies, share them with your teachers. No child should be left behind where they're going through childhood cancer uh, sickness and they could not t- tell us what they're going through. My mm-hmm. child was only two. He could barely express himself and express the pain. Please learn the signs and symptoms. I think we're all accountable to learn that as adults and as parents. Well said. Both, thank you so, so much. And if you missed that website, send me the word link and I'd be happy to send it and you can lend your voice, your expertise, your skills and your time to an incredible cause. Thank you so, so much. We're talking about now where hospitality and inclusion intersect. Everybody loves a staycation, a vacation, but there can be complexities and even complications when you've got children of determination and neurodiverse children in the mix as well. However, hotels here in the region, and one in particular, doing their best to relieve that pressure. The H Hotel is the first in Dubai to earn the Certified Autism Centre designation from the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Services. This means that all of the guest-facing team members have undergone specialised training and certification. We're going to be hearing from a mum who's really passionate about this topic for personal and professional reasons. Before that, though, Sophie Blondell is with us today, the General Manager of the H Hotel. We're going to be speaking soon to Zara Al-Jasmi from Georgetown Early intervention centre. I guess, Sophie, I want to start by saying congratulations. It's a really wonderful milestone that we're celebrating today. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having us and uh, thank you for the congratulations. Yeah, we're very proud of uh, being ahead. Tell and, us, uh, tell us then, why did you decide to get the hotel certified? Because it's a, it's a conscious decision to, to put yourself into that arena. Um, we had uh, this vision uh, since a long time, I mean a long time, let's say six months before uh, everything was out with uh, the um, Dubai vision on being the first destination. And uh, it came uh, with uh, three elements. First, uh, my personal history in regards to autism kids and how I volunteer when I was uh, in my high school uh, for two years every Wednesday. So I remember that uh, connection, of course, uh, very special. And then our uh, director of uh, um, HR is also part of the uh, Bere Motorcycle Club and they had done a uh, march uh, run uh, and, and a huge party for autism families so we spoke about that again and then it of course Snow gave me the idea uh, we have to do it and that's how we came. So tell us about the staff training what did they have to undergo and, and for what reason what does it, what does it look like in practice Sophie? So uh, it's not only the uh, trainings that you get on Dubai Way. It's very uh, detailed ones with a lot of um, role plays uh, as well. Uh, we did uh, by online first individual, then we did collectively uh, as well. Uh, we um, had uh, the pleasure to uh, get Zara uh, during a one um, awareness session to be ready as well to welcome uh, those families for Iftar uh, back in Ramadan. And uh, we felt ready with uh, and the Dubai Way training, which is really intense mm-hmm. uh, and um, Zara's eye on us uh, being very supportive um, we have a long way to go still uh, even though we are ready uh, we have done not only trainings but also adjusted um, most of the uh, spaces in the hotel. Oh, tell me about that in terms of the environment because obviously sensory issues can go hand, hand in hand how did you rec- kind of rectify or address what might have been problematic in the past? 
So with the existing building, we have created some quiet spaces uh, here and there so that if they are having a meltdown, then uh, we can suggest them uh, to have this quiet space. Uh, we have also put at disposal uh, and do it as a welcome amenity for kids, like sens- um, kids and adults, by the way, a sensory bag with a lot of uh, fidget toys, uh, mandala, color books, um, hear noise counseling, headphones, um, sunglasses, I mean, a lot of things in this bag and um, we got already um, some families and they enjoy it and they told us it's really that. Uh, We're going to get as well uh, the uh, pre-arrival form so that parents can give us as many details as uh, they want so that we can be prepared and the whole staff will get an alert on their mobiles to be mentioning that this is what you should do, this is not what they want, etc. If they have some dietary restrictions as well, because Um, it's very important, it can also produce a lot of the different circumstances. And And the main one is that we have empowered our team to take any decision in case something is happening, that they don't need to report to a manager to take such decision and uh, just uh, leave uh, someone pressing on an elevator button <laughs> if he wants, uh, things like that. Sophie <laughs> Blundell with us, GM of the H Hotel. They have just been certified by the Autism Centre around that inclusion piece for autism um, in children, as and Sophie's saying, in adults as well. Now, joining us is a mum who knows all too well firsthand some of the challenges um, mm-hmm. that it comes to uh, comes to travelling with uh, neurodiverse children. You are the Managing Director of Georgetown Early Intervention Centre, collaborating here with the H Hotel. You're all a member four, um, and it's your twins who have yes. autism. Tell us a little right. bit about your experiences travelling with the family, Zara. Uh, very stressful. I always say when I come back from vacation, I need a vacation from the, the vacation. Sometimes <laughs> it's just a change of location. It's not really a holiday yeah, at all. You know, just... Uh, it could be as you know because as she knows my son uh, loves the elevator and sometimes just redirecting him to go back he just want to press the buttons and uh, I've shared you know once we had the staycation here and they would not let him press and it was just just it just ruins your your stay basically so um, so to your mind I mean, raising awareness and there's going to be a calendar of events that's been going on. You've already been working there, as, as uh, Sophie said, on, on IFTAR. But it sounds like attitudes and understanding from staff are so, so key to making families feel welcome. Absolutely. So key. Kindness. How can I help you? Just It could be as simple as that. What do you, you need? Know? What do you need? What can I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and each child is different. You know, when you meet, <laughs> especially on you know the spectrum, each child is different. And I can see it with, you know, the twins and so many uh, siblings. Each child is different, uh, even even if they're twins, right? Mm. So um, it's um, it's it's so important. It's it, it, we still have a long way to go. You know, I love the direction that Dubai is going. I love that you know the H Hotel, like for example, you know, uh, uh, started this journey with us. Uh, and it's so funny because you know we did. Uh, I'm part of the autism ride with the motorcycle clubs that we do it for the past six years. They're lovely, lovely guys. And from there, this That's connection great. happens. And then, you know, meeting the staff, you know, and seeing them so happy and excited to have us. Because so many, you know, I, I know Sophie, when we were at the Iftar, every 
think every parent told you I've never been able to go to an iftar. Like, you know, wow. yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. The recognition you get just by smiles and uh, having this unique moment is just uh, that's amazing. It. And yeah. that's inclusion. It's feeling, it's feeling welcome. It's, it's feeling, it's exact, exactly that. Um, and it's also having a sense of other people are going through this, not feeling alone in your situation. I know you have a blog there around this and making sure that people feel part of a community. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I, so... I love how Dubai is going, the vision of the Sheikh, obviously. Inclusion in schools has been going so much better, you know. Um, I mean, my kids are almost 11, but I've got rejected, for example, from 12 schools, you know, with no reason. And, you know, you pay 500 for each oh, assessment. Oh, you do. <laughs> 12,000. And you get a generic email. So now I see it's going much better. Yeah. Uh, parents are aware as well, you know, new parents who are kids getting diagnosed. Um, it's just, there is a a great, you know, path, but it's, it's a little slow. You know, our kids are growing so fast and we're trying to catch up basically. Um, there is a lot that needs to be done, obviously in our community, in schools, in centers, and, you know, that is, it's, it's a very, very difficult topic because, but I, I'm glad it's better here than in so many other places. Oh, it really is. And I think Sophie's a great example of it being a choice. You know, we are choosing to turn towards inclusion. We are going to be making positive steps, you know, because it's so easy to go, well, it's not really, it's not really, it's going to make our life more difficult. We're Mm -hmm. we're putting obstacles in, you know, in our our way. Um, And uh, message here saying, fellow twin mums, Zara, love what you're doing for the community. Thank you. Mm -hmm. HHL, you are an inspiration to many totally bringing my twins to your hotel Ambreen's packing her bags Um, we've also I think it's also really worth commenting on what else is happening around the region we just saw recently Green Planet being um, certified also um, our friends down the road at uh, Dubai Parks and Resorts And this is this is what we need. And we've got the Sanad card. We know that having children of determination of all different issues is not cheap. Yes, when we're looking at you know speech therapy, oh occupational therapy, physiotherapy, and you know behavior the, therapy. Oh, and, I mean, my goodness, how long, how long do we have? Um, but for, for there to be you know discounts and deals Absolutely. and smiling faces, it Helps. all adds up to that sense and, of welcome. And, uh, yes. I, I, I shared with Sophie, I told you before, we, I'm going to send her a list. That we had, there is a, a list of so many play areas. They, they give free interest for uh, like the Green Planet and so many other places. Um, uh, RTA, for example, give discounts and uh, uh, exemptions and Salic. Uh, I think, you know, so many other companies, which is just it, it makes a huge difference. Yes, and not many people know about it. Yeah, so um, I would say check out the Sanad card um, for one and also your blog. Zara, if anyone wants to follow you and, you know, take advantage of your incredible knowledge, resources, both as a mum and as a professional in this space, how can people get in touch with you? Um, well, we do have a support group. Uh, it's called Autism Support Dubai in, on Facebook and we have an, um, on also in um, uh, WhatsApp. Um, also the Dubai representative of uh, Emirates Autism Society. So that's also something, you know, people can be part of the association. And of course, um, the only social media I have is Georgetown UAE. <laughs> that's the that's only okay. thing. <laughs> and you're there um, just off um, on Sakim. Sophie, thank you so much. You. Um, huge congratulations again. I think 
it's a it's a really big statement to say this is something that's important to us. And as this listener correctly saying, you know, a real inspiration to other other hotels and hospitality groups around the UAE. Let it be the first of many. Thank you, Ellen. H Hotel, as we're there celebrating that certification, um, inclusion for all, looking at autism in children and adults, sensory kits, special spaces, training and more. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.